Jeremiah chapter 1 this morning as we continue our series on the call of God. A reminder that next week as we conclude our series looking at the call of Paul, we will be having an anointing at the end of our service for any of you that feel that God has used this series to call you into maybe something different or new, or maybe you're just even still trying to figure that out. That's okay too. So we're going to be looking at that next week. But this morning we want to be in Jeremiah chapter 1, and I believe that Jeremiah and the call that God placed on his life may be sort of the definitive passage in the Bible on what the call of God is all about and what it means. Because let's remember going back to even week one, many weeks ago, when we looked at Moses, that God doesn't have a call upon just a special few. That God has a call on every human being. That God created us specifically and very intentionally with a call from him in mind. We're going to see that this morning. Now, there's a lot we're going to cover, but hopefully we can just keep on traveling. And we're going to look, first of all, at four pronouncements that God makes to Jeremiah, then five promises that God makes to Jeremiah, and finally four proclamations that God makes to Jeremiah. And what we find in Jeremiah chapter 1 is that God has pretty much taken over the conversation here. At this point, it's just a one-way street. Now, let me say this. God welcomes us talking to him and interacting with him. He welcomes our prayers. He, he welcomes our questions. He welcomes our complaints. God wants to have give and take, but there are times where God says, I need you to just listen to me. And this is one of those times in Scripture. And I think it's even one of those times here at the Oasis Church where God is saying, I have welcomed your praise and your worship at this point, but now I want to speak to my people. And I want you to open up your ears, and I want you to listen to what I had to say to Jeremiah, because much of what I had to say to Jeremiah even applies to you today in your life and my life. And so I want to begin, though, by looking at the first couple of verses of Jeremiah chapter 1, just to point out a couple things by way of introduction. You'll notice that Jeremiah was already a priest to God. He was a priest before he was called by God to be a prophet. So that means he was already faithfully serving the Lord, because what have we seen throughout our study? Looking at Moses and looking at Samuel and looking at Esther and looking at all these characters in the Bible, that they were already doing something for God when God called them. God wants us to be busy doing whatever it is we should be doing at the moment. We may not know that all that God wants us to do, but there's obviously, if we've had a relationship with the Lord through Jesus, he's our Savior, and we've spent any time at all in his word and walking with his Holy Spirit and being filled with his Spirit, there are certain things we already know we should be doing and that our life should be centered around. Let's do those. And it's out of God seeing us being faithful in the little things that he will come along and begin to call us to greater things, especially to that calling for which he designed us for. So Jeremiah was a priest before he was called by God to be a prophet, in a sense, 
You could say that Jeremiah was just sort of occupying the family business. Uh, he grew up in a family of priests, and he just went into that. And nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. But that wasn't primarily what God built him for. God built him to be his prophet to the nations. That's the first thing. Second thing, you'll notice in verse 2, the Lord began to speak to him. And then it even goes over to say that in verse 3, he continued to speak to him. And then finally, verse 4, the Lord said to him, and what are we learning about that? Just the same thing that God is doing with us, hopefully. As he speaks, we're saying, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Because Jeremiah later on, in, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, verse 16 says, As your words came to me, I drank them in. I fed upon them. Literally, in the Hebrew, I consumed them. In other words, why was God speaking and continuing to speak to Jeremiah? Because he knew Jeremiah was listening. He knew Jeremiah was receiving what he had to say. He knew Jeremiah's heart was pliable and open. It, it was good soil for the Word of God to go in and to begin to penetrate and to move and to do something in Jeremiah's life. God's looking for the same thing today. Those two things. God is looking for us to be faithful in the little things, the things that we already should be doing for the Lord. He'll call us to greater things. And second, he's looking, he's looking for those of us who are listening and having, in a sense, our ears tuned to him so that we can hear his voice when he speaks to us, whether it's through worship, through the word, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, through another Christian or circumstances of life, whatever it is, are we listening and tuned in to God? With all of that, let's look first of all then at the four pronouncements God's, God makes in verse 5 to Jeremiah. And I want you to note the word before. <laughs> before I formed you, that's the first pronouncement. God says, I formed you. God is saying the same thing to us here today. You and I are not here by chance. We're not here because of some evolutionary process. We are here because God fashioned us and molded us and created us in our mother's womb. We are a special, unique creation of God. Every one of us, every last one of us, I formed you. Then he says, I chose you. Literally in the Hebrew, I knew all about you. Therefore, the reason why the Net Bible chooses to use the word chose is because it's linking the fact that God formed us with a plan in mind. Before I formed you, notice God said, before I even started to create you, I had a plan that I was going from. I was not only your creator, I was in a sense your designer and your architect. And I very intentionally and very strategically formed you the way I did, gave you the gifts, talents, abilities, temperament, all these different things, because I had something in mind for you before I even created you. You see, God was invested in each of us and committed to us even before we were born, you see. Before I formed you, before 
I chose you. Then notice verse 5. Before you were born, I set you apart. I consecrated you. I, I called you unto myself. I, I deemed you as special. I, I had a, again, a plan for you, each and every one of us. There's not a one of us in this room that God has not formed, that God has not chosen, and that God has not set apart. And going back to I chose you or I knew all about you, let's always be reminded that God knows more about us than we even do about ourselves, which again is why God calls us to trust him in his calling and what he has for us, because no one knows us better than God. No one. And God created us with this intimate knowledge because, he, again, he had a plan and purpose and calling in mind, just as he did for Jeremiah, so does he with us. The last pronouncement in verse 5, I appointed you. I brought you forth on this earth and placed you on this earth for Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nation. And like Jeremiah, God knew and called us personally before we were ever born. Paul says to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1.11 that we were predestined by God with his purpose in mind. You see, his purpose in mind. He called us forth on this earth. So God is saying, I want you to understand Jeremiah <laughs> before I even, you know, get further into the calling that, that all of this that I had in mind for you was even before I started to create you in your mother's womb. Think about that. Before, before I formed you, before I fashioned you, I chose you for this. Before you were brought forth, I set you apart, and I appointed you for this. See, God is very intentional about things. He doesn't do anything haphazardly. He doesn't do anything just because. He, he always works from a very specific plan, and that's even true with each and every one of us. And when we talk about finding our identity, oh my goodness, these verses are screaming at us, saying, you and I as human beings can't find our identity apart from God. There's so much talk about self-discovery and wanting to find out who we are today. And I, all I can tell you is, you'll never find out who you really are, who you were created to be, or what you were created to be, apart from getting with God, the one who, before he even created you, he had a plan for you and me. He had a plan for you. And let me say this, and I hope that this will be an encouragement and a comfort to some of you in this room today, and maybe some of you who are watching on live stream or will later watch this by podcast. I want you to take the truth of verse 5 of Jeremiah chapter 1, and I want it to be a comfort to any of you in here this morning who at some time in your life have went through the pain of a miscarriage and you lost a child, I want you to know that though that child 
may not have had a purpose fulfilled here on earth, you one day, because you know the Lord, and you will be with the Lord in glory one day, you will see that purpose for that miscarried child fulfilled throughout eternity. You see. And let me also say this. To any of you who may be watching or who are here this morning, and maybe in your past you chose to have an abortion, first of all, I want you to know God loves you. And I hope that you have received God's forgiveness for that choice. That's really important. But I also want you to see this, that also based upon this verse, though that child may not have had its purpose fulfilled here on earth, you, because you accepted Christ as your Savior and you've received his forgiveness and you're going to go to heaven along with that baby, you will also see that baby's purpose fulfilled throughout eternity. Because God redeems the broken things of our life. And the things that we could go back and maybe do differently, the things that maybe we wish we wouldn't have done or all that, when you and I turn our lives over to the Lord, God redeems those things. Notice also in this passage, five promises that God makes to Jeremiah that he also makes to each of us. In verse 8, God says, I will be with you to protect you, Jeremiah, because guess what? If you know anything about the ministry and calling and prophecy of Jeremiah, you know he was always physically even and spiritually and emotionally under attack. And God promises I'm not going to necessarily keep you from all the rough times that you're going to have to go through by being my spokesman to a nation who's in decline and to a group of uh, people who are spiritually in decline, but I will protect you, meaning I will deliver you. I will rescue you. Literally, I will defend you. God says to Jeremiah, I will be your defender as you stand up for me in the midst of this people. And God is saying the same thing to us today. When you and I fulfill our calling in life, when we step out and follow and trust God in whatever he has for us, God says, because you're willing to follow me, I'll, tr I'll defend you. I will deliver you. I will rescue you. I will be your shield. I will surround you. God does the same thing today. The angel of the Lord and camps around God's faithful followers. Think of the story in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings of Elisha when his servant looks up and God opens his eyes and sees the chariots of fire surrounding Elisha and himself. You see, God is with you. God never leaves you nor forsakes you. And God will surround you and shield you and protect you as you continue to follow him and fulfill his calling. Notice the next promise, verse 9. I will most assuredly give you the words. Because we'll come back to the fact that Jeremiah didn't think he was a good speaker and all that. But God says, I'll give you the words. Then notice verse 10. I'll also give you the authority. 
So God is saying, not only will I protect you and defend you, but, but I'll provide everything that you need to carry out the calling I have for you. I will enable you. I will equip you. And I'll even give you my authority to go with you. God does the same thing today. Again, the calling of God will never lead us to where the grace of God does not enable us. And God is saying, if you follow me and you trust me and you step out and begin to do what I created you to do, even before I created you, I'll not only protect you, I'll provide everything you need. I'll give you the people, I'll give you the resources, I'll give you the ability, I'll give you the enablement. You just need to trust me. Trust me. And I'll just say this as a testimony to God. Many of you know the story that ten and a half years ago, I did not want to start this church. And God promised, I'll be with you. I'll give you everything that you need in order to pastor this church and to build this church. And all I'll say is, God has been faithful. We sit here in this auditorium because God has been faithful. God has given us the people we need. God has given us the resources and everything that we need. He has watched over us. He, he brought out this piece of land. We weren't even looking for this piece of land. God says, oh, here, boom. You know, every step of the way, God has provided. And God will do that with you if you just follow him. He will protect you. He will provide for you. Then notice verse 18, the next promise. I, the Lord, hereby promise to make you strong. Because guess what, Jeremiah? You're going to need to be really strong in order to fulfill your calling. And I'll just, as I said a couple weeks ago, I think we all need to be strong. We'll talk more about that in a minute. We all need to be stronger. You and I cannot sustain our spiritual life and become who God created us to be and even make an impact and influence in this world as light against darkness without being strong believers in Jesus Christ over and over again. What does the message of the word say? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strengthened in the Lord over and over again. We are called to receive the strength of God Wednesday night, I used Philippians 4.13 as a foundational verse for our conclusion in Jude. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God wants us not to live in our own strength because there's an end to our strength. God wants us to live in his strength because there is no end to his strength, which is why then the prophet Isaiah says, even those that are young, will sometimes be weak and weary. But those who wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The strength of the Lord. God says, I promise, Jeremiah, to make you strong. Whatever strength you need to fulfill your calling as my prophet to the nations, I will supply that strength if you trust me and you look to me. And then one other, look at the end of verse 19. I will be with you to rescue you. 
because God says at the beginning of verse 19, they will attack you. I'm not going to prevent the bad things necessarily from happening to you where you get yourself in some real jams. I mean, you go back through the Bible. God didn't prevent Daniel's friends from going into the fiery furnace, but he was with them in it. God doesn't keep us from the fire, but he's with us in the fire and takes us through the fire so we can come out the other side even stronger and better than we were when we went in. God didn't keep Daniel from the lion's den, but he kept the lion's mouth off of Daniel. And that's exactly what God is saying to Jeremiah. I'm not promising you it's going to be easy, Jeremiah. I'm not promising you you won't be attacked. But I'm telling you, you be strong. And you trust that I will provide escape for you. Literally is what the, I'll snatch you away if I have to. I mean, doesn't that remind you of even the rapture? Those of us who are alive will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Over, hey, God says, Enoch, come. Boom, Enoch, gone. He walked with God, and then the Bible says he was not. Elijah went up to heaven in the fiery chariot. By the way, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right here, we're starting a new series on Wednesday night looking at the life of Elijah. Over and over again, God provided times where he just went, I need to rescue you. Whoop. Think of Paul. Paul, you need to get out of there. Let's, you know, lower you with the basket and then we'll get you out of there. Peter, breaking the prison doors open over and over again. God is saying, I promise you, my people, that I will be with you. I will protect you. I will provide everything you need to follow and fulfill your calling. I will make you strong enough for your calling, and I will rescue you if you have to be rescued. I can snatch you away. I can, you know, dramatically do something because I'm the Lord of hosts, and I have everything in my universe at my disposal. So with the four pronouncements from verse 5, and the five promises then that we've looked at, I want us to finally then look at the four proclamations because God is building something here. God is saying, I'm the God that was committed and invested in you before you were even born. And once you and I realize like that, Jeremiah realized that, then God is hoping that if we understand how committed and invested God was to us even before we knew that we were here, that God is saying, I'm the same God that will be with you now to provide, to protect, to make you strong, to rescue you if you have to be rescued, that I was before you even knew you existed. I'm the same God. And with all of that information, God then says to Jeremiah in verse 7, the Lord said to me, Jehovah, do not say I'm too young. Because one of Jeremiah's things was, I don't know how to speak very well, verse 6, and I'm too young. God says, stop saying you're too young. Why does God come into our lives sometimes and tell us to stop saying certain, certain things? Because words have the power to shape our lives. And God is basically telling each of us, stop speaking lies over yourself. Stop telling yourself lies. 
Stop letting other people's lies define you. Let my voice alone be the one to define your life. Let me be the primary voice that speaks into your life and stop saying certain things. I got the impression as I was preparing for this message today that I just need to say to some of you here today, and I don't know who you are, you've got to stop saying certain things to yourself. You've got to stop saying certain things about yourself because the things that you say to yourself and the things that you say about yourself are literally shaping or misshaping who God made you to be. And you are preventing by the words that you say or the power of the words that others are saying over you to keep you from fulfilling the calling that God has for your life. Stop saying it. Jeremiah was a young man. I'm too young. Can I tell you, one of our goals here at the Oasis Church is to always provide a place for those that are young, if they're willing, to serve the Lord. How are we going to learn if we don't, you know? And, and the younger we can get them serving the Lord, the better. That's why I love the fact that in Crystal's children's ministry, we have youth back there that, that work and serve with her in our children's ministry. Under adult supervision, but we do that. That's so important. They're learning invaluable lessons at such a young age. I'm glad that Nicole and our worship ministry allow some of our teens to be a part of our worship ministry. In my own personal life, I, many of you know this, I preached my first message in my home church when I was 12 years old. How many churches would let a 12-year-old get up and speak? Because let me tell you, whew, I pity those poor people that were listening to me when I was, just like I pity you poor people now, but it was really bad when I was 12. But you know what that did? That ignited a fire in me. That was where God began to speak into my life saying, Jeff, before I formed you, I set you apart and I appointed you to be a pastor teacher for me on this earth. So do not despise your youthfulness, Paul said to Timothy. You be an example to all the believers, you see. Do not say certain things, God says. Secondly, verse 8, do not be afraid of those whom I'm sending you to. The fear of people, the book of Proverbs says, brings a snare. Fear is maybe the single greatest reason why most Christians do not step out and step out of their comfort zone and continue to not only follow the Lord and allow him to stretch us, but, but to get us to a place where we fulfill what God created us for because we're afraid. We're afraid of what others will say. We're afraid of failing. We're, we're afraid of making a mistake. And again, all I can tell you is here at the Oasis, one of the things that we strive to do is create an environment where you can start serving the Lord. And if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. We're not going to make a big deal about it. Guess why? Because I make mistakes every day and every week. We're all going to fail. The important thing is we learn from the things that we've done and, and that we, we failed from and that we accept God's forgiveness and we move on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid of what others will say. Don't be afraid of making a mistake. Don't be afraid to step out and start doing something for the Lord. Because here's the deal. Anybody who's ever done anything, not just for the Lord, but anything in their life has failure. Anybody. And if we're afraid of failing or make a mis making a mistake, we'll never do anything, especially for God. God says, don't be afraid. Then, verse 17, I love this. He says to Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Now, in the, in the Bible, it's a phrase that was used back in the King James Version of the Bible, gird up the loins. People are like, what in the world? Well, you girded up the loins by tying up that long loose robe so that you could either go to war, go to battle, or have some strenuous effort or exertion that, that needed to be done. And basically, it came to be known as prepare yourself for something really hard or difficult or prepare yourself for battle. That's what, that's what God's saying to Jeremiah. He's not pulling any punches. He's, say, he's saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, prepare yourself for something really hard. Now, God said, remember, I'll make you strong. But guess what? It's Jeremiah's responsibility, just like it's our responsibility, to make sure that we're putting ourselves in a spiritual environment, both personally and corporately, where we can grow stronger, where we can have that, that perspective and that, that spiritual stamina and strength and whatever to say, God, bring it on. I'm, I'm tired of praying for an easy life. I'm just praying for the strength for whatever you have for me. Get yourself ready. Now, I want to take you to two other places in the Old Testament that uses this same phrase, but it's worded a little bit differently. Go with me, first of all, to the book of Job. Let's talk to the men first. Ladies, you're coming. Job 38, this same phrase that is used by God to Jeremiah, get yourself ready, is used in Job 38, verse 3. The beginning of the chapter, Lord answers Job out of the whirlwind. And then notice what God says to Job in Job 38, verse 3. Get ready for a difficult task. Gird up your loins. Prepare yourself for a difficult task. And then notice what he says. Like a man, like a mighty man of valor or warrior. You know what, you know what God's saying to Job? Be a man. Or a phrase that we would use today that you hear that actually captures much of the attitude of this phrase would be put on your big boy pants. That's what God's saying. He's saying, Job, get ready for a difficult task. Gird up your loins. Prepare for something really difficult. And what we're getting to see then is that God is saying much of the time for us as we follow him that we're always wanting, you know, the easy button. And God is saying, maybe you would bring more glory to me in this world by going through some hard things. And maybe that's the plan that I have for you. And instead of always looking for the easy way out, because isn't the way broad 
that leads to destruction, and many go the broad, uh, wide way, but isn't the road that leads to real life that narrow, difficult way that Jesus talked about in Matthew 7, 13 and 14? Be a man. Man up! That's what God said to Jeremiah. That's what God said to Job. Well, ladies, you're not off the hook. Go to the book of Proverbs. You know where I'm going, ladies, right? Proverbs 31. Guess what? Twice in the chapter on the virtuous woman, as we call it, twice this phrase is used. Verse 17 and verse 25. Look at verse 17 of Proverbs 31. She begins her work vigorously and she strengthens her arms. Literally, she puts on the might and power of God. Woman up, God's saying. Put on the big girl pants, God is saying. Look at verse 25. She is clothed with strength and honor. She is clothed with the might and power of God. She's girding up her loins. She's getting ready for something hard, and she's not shrinking back from what's hard. Because you ladies know this better than I do as a man. It takes great strength and stamina, and fortitude to be a wife and mother. And we could just stop right there, right, ladies? <laughs> no, but then you take on even more than that, right? You, you can't be a wimp or a weakling to be a wife and mother. You can't do it. And so God is saying to the women who follow him, just as he's saying to the men, man up, woman up. Get strong. Prepare yourself for something hard. I never promised you that it was going to be easy. Jesus said in the world you'll have trouble and suffering, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I will make you strong. I will provide for you. I will protect you. And before I even brought you forth in your mother's womb, I had a design for you. Now go for it, God said. One other one. Go back to Jeremiah. Chapter 1, verse 18. After God proclaims, do not say and do not fear and get yourself ready, God says to Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 18, you will be able. Look at the middle of that verse. You will be able to stand up against all who live in the land. You will be able. Notice what he says about them who oppose Jeremiah in verse 19. They will not be able. You will be able. Why is that important? Well, go back with me to verse 6. After God basically called Jeremiah to be the prophet to the nations, notice Jeremiah's response, much like every other person's response to the call of God initially, right? Oh, Lord God. Actually, it's a phrase, it's, 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 it's like, it's a shocking thing, like, oh my goodness. I really do not know how to speak well enough for that, for I am too young. You know what Jeremiah is saying to God? Say, I cannot, I'm not able. That's what he's saying to God. After God goes through all this about, I had a plan for you even before I made you, I made you and created you very intentionally from that plan, from that template that I had. I built you with a design and purpose and calling in mind. 
and I set you apart for myself. I invested in you and was committed to you even before I brought you forth on this earth to be a prophet to the nations. And God says all this to Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah says, I can't do that. And yet, is that not what we do? Because the same God who formed Jeremiah, the same God who chose Jeremiah, set him apart and appointed him for something, is the same God who's done those very same four things for us. And yet many times we say to God, I can't, I'm not able. So I want you and I to see that the last thing we're going to see today is God speaking over Jeremiah saying, you are able. Why? Because I'll make you able, God says. That's what God says. None of us are adequate, as Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3. None of us are adequate to do and to be what God's called us to. Why? Because we've seen throughout our study of the call of God, it's always much greater than us. It's always bigger than us. It would overwhelm any normal human being, but God wants to bring us into himself and bring us into something much bigger than ourselves because he wants us, as we fulfill our calling, to never lose sight that we have to depend and rely upon him every day to fulfill it. God will never call us to something that we don't need him for. But God does say, I'll be with you every step of the way. I'll give you everything you need. And in me, you are able. Only God can do this, right? Scott gets up, Scott's been gone for a while, Scott gets up to start the service, and what started flowing out of Scott's mouth, just, I was like, Scott, were you in my study this past week? Because that's exactly where we were going today. You will be able. There's times where God wants us to talk to him. He welcomes our prayers, always. He welcomes our complaints. He welcomes our questions. But there's times in our life, just like here, where Jeremiah didn't do much of the talking. It was mostly listening. It was mostly God taking over the conversation and saying, you need to hear these things, and you need to receive them, and they need to penetrate your heart, Jeremiah, because I have a wonderful plan for you. But if you don't really get this, and you don't really receive it by faith, and you don't really trust in what I'm saying to you, you will never carry out what I created you for. And I think God is saying the same thing today. Why? Because I believe that through this series, God has been begun, begun to call some of you to something more, to something different, maybe even just making yourself available like never before, saying, God, I don't know exactly what it is you created me for yet or what you're calling me to do, but I'm, I'm going to make myself available to God. Here I am, God. Speak. Your servant is listening. So as we enter into our time of worship today, would we just allow our hearts and minds to be open to the voice of God, and let's let God speak into this room as we speak praise to God. Would you stand with me and we'll pray. God, I ask you today that you would take this very profound conversation that you had with 
your prophet Jeremiah many, many years ago and that you would use it today, right now, October 25th, 2020, in Gilbert, Arizona, in each of our lives, God, that we would be impacted by your words over us just as Jeremiah was. God, I pray today that we won't say the things that keep us from following you, that we will not be afraid, that we will get ourselves ready even for something really, really hard, and that we will trust you when you tell us we'll be able through you. God, use this in the life of our church and in each and every life represented, not only here in this auditorium, but those who may be watching, not only today, but in some future day. God, you're calling out your people. It's time for us to step out and to follow you in whatever you have for us. May we declare that to you today, that we are here and we're making ourselves available to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's declare that to the Lord today as we sing.